back to the New York Yankees podcast in partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Jake Berkowitz, and I'm alongside my co-host, Rocky. And guys, we did it. Game seven overtime winner. They're Temi Panarin. I can't even speak anymore. I have a headache. Uh, we're recording this right after game seven. We're going to be with Nick of Gotham uh, Sports, I believe. I'm sorry. I, uh, I'm sorry to him. I'll, I'll do the description of what he does in the uh, podcast description. But yeah, we're going to be with him talking about Game 7 recap, the series as a whole, and facing Carolina. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll get right to it. And now a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for the 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK. For a 125% sign-up bonus, again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. We are back with Nick. Nick, Game 7 OT winners, how's it going? Uh, my, my Fitbit asked me if I was having a medical emergency when overtime started, so it's been a night. <laughs> It's been a night. <laughs> You're recording from Penn Station? Yes, I am. There are, a lot, there are a group of people who snuck their beers out of the game who are walking by me right now. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, obviously, I, we've seen um, on the Twitter. I can't even speak sentences right now, man. That's, I'm just – my hands are shaking. I, I'm just – I have a big headache. But you know what? We won. We did it. The stress was worth it in the end. We're here. So let's talk about game seven as a whole. What did you like about the Rangers game seven? Uh, Shesterkin was Shesterkin. I mean, that was the difference tonight. They did not play a particularly clean game in front of him. They didn't generate a ton of clean offense or sustained offense for any real prolonged periods, but he gave them a chance to hang around. Zabinijad scores that goal with about five minutes left to get it to three apiece and then anything can happen in overtime they stole that game they i mean pittsburgh had something like 40 shots on goal yeah no not even just scoring chances 40 shots on goal with 10 minutes to go in the third period yeah no Igor really showed his uh game seven performance i mean everyone knew going in if we're gonna win this Igor has to play like Igor shesterkin of the regular season vesna winner he did that and more um, I feel like Crosby was definitely under control majority of the game. Him and Getzel did not, you know, have the open ice game that they had in the past. Uh, I mean, the Mika Zibanej and Chris Kreider, the vets came through. Panarin with the OT winner. The kid line was great. Miller with the drawed penalty. I mean, I was not confident, got to be honest, coming to the game with Crosby coming back Jari. But, man, I, I mean, yeah, it feels like a stolen game, but it also feels like, you know, as this team has done all along this whole season, they've always found a way to win. And they, the most important time to do it, they did it. And I, I just, yeah, no, I'm, I'm on the moon right now. I'm sure you guys are the, are, the, are exactly the same. Um, so let, let's go back to something very important. I saw you mentioned on Twitter explaining what Pittsburgh was doing different. Um, rather than the regular season, why was it more hard? Why was it so much harder to beat Pittsburgh this time rather than a few times regular season, which like it looked like we totally had their number? What was different? Okay, so like schematically, nothing was particularly different. The Rangers have ran that two one two in the neutral zone all year, 
It's just Pittsburgh was getting out of their own zone cleaner. So they were able to get from the neutral zone to the offensive zone with speed. And when you have the zone with speed, you're able to dictate what the flow of the game is. Because you're coming into the zone with speed, that forces the Rangers defensemen to be backpedaling, backskating. And since you can't skate backwards as fast as you can forwards, that's a disadvantage. And because the Rangers are compressing their defensemen inwards towards the middle of the ice, that makes them vulnerable towards the walls, which is one of the main things in that video I tweeted about was that Pittsburgh was having a lot of success along the walls because the Rangers were so compressed in the neutral zone. That's a way to attack when a defense compresses is to use width. Pittsburgh had the width tonight. I mean, they attacked from the, from the walls. They got a lot of pucks across the middle, but tonight the Rangers, the, the sticks were in the way. The passes weren't as clean. It was the little things. And I thought the Rangers played. This was probably the best game they played aside from game one on paper in terms of just the scoring chances for and against and the fancy type of expected goals numbers you would look at. But all in all, in terms of just schematics wise, it worked for the Rangers tonight. I, I wouldn't say they changed anything in terms of when they were choosing to pinch, when they were choosing to be passive, they just found a way tonight. And sometimes that's the one thing you have to account for when we're talking about X's and O's is not every player is the same X or the same O. Tonight, Panarin didn't have a great regulation. He figured it out. He scored the goal in overtime. Zabinijad and Kreider were, wait, hang on, hang on. Let the crowd noise go in. Okay. But yeah, the power play was pretty good. But it, all in all, the schematics weren't that different. It just worked the Rangers' way tonight because the Rangers' best players made plays. Like you said, Zabinijad and Kreider both made outstanding plays, especially that first goal to get them on the board, give them a little bit of confidence. That kind of thing is hard to measure, but it matters. Right. It just figured that, like, any game seven, but especially this one, it was a game of inches. It, it just felt like one yeah. little bounce changes the whole perspective. And, I mean, I don't know about you, but when Pittsburgh scored that third goal, I'm like, that might have been the game winner. And then Zibanejad had that rocket of a shot. I mean, what, what, what was your feeling going, like, with 10 minutes left? What, what, what were your thoughts? I was, I was talking with some – I was talking with Andrew during the intermission, Bay Shesty, as most people know him on Twitter. And we were both of a – as long as they get it tied by seven, eight minutes to go – then next goal wins, that's fine. That's where you want to be considering you've been outplayed most of regulation. If you have a tie game with five minutes to go, it took a little longer than we would have liked, but they tied it with five minutes to go. They were pretty good in the overtime. I thought that was as good as you were going to get from the type of game Pittsburgh was giving you. There's not a ton of space in that defensive zone. The Rangers love that cross-seam pass out of the corners to the middle to try and get a really good chance. And it worked. They funneled a lot of pucks to the middle to no effect tonight, but that one went in. I, it was not a great chance. He beat Yari high to the tight side. It was a really good shot. I mean, that's not something you can really account for or measure, but we all know Zabinijad's got that plus shot. He might have not had the best of series in terms of the, the fancy stats or the underlying numbers, but he scored tonight. He scored on game six. He gave them a chance to win at the biggest point. And that's the thing. When you're consistently getting out chanced by the other team, you need your best players to make up that difference. And tonight in game six, in game five, the Rangers' best players were the ones who made the difference in this game. 
Oh, absolutely. And and I'm watching this game with like such a Hawkeye. I was watching every little bit. I was getting so frustrated with the way they were playing. There were so many soft goals in a sense in which this game was very frustrating to watch. But um, but the one thing I, I got, I got. I mean, of say, course, it's going to be frustrating because I mean, like, yeah, like the puck. I mean, it was a very defensive game on both sides. Yes. Yes, and the Rangers kept losing their battle of the puck. This is the second game in a row which they lost. Um, they lost on a breakaway. They, they, someone you know scored on a breakaway against them, in which they had a chance to catch up to them. The question is, you know, this is the Ranger team is supposed to be the faster team. What's with them not catching up to pucks? Is that something that's really something to worry and you know playing even better teams? I mean, raw foot speed wise, the Rangers I would say are middle of the pack in terms of team speed against Carolina, they are going to be slower period. Carolina is maybe the fastest team in the entire league. That is a real problem. The Rangers are going to have to figure out, especially in terms of breakaways, the odd man rushes, those type of dangerous chances, but against Pittsburgh, I would say Pittsburgh and the Rangers have comparable raw foot speed in terms of just raw straight line speed. I didn't think the Rangers looked too slow. It looked to me, it was more of a matter of the Rangers not engaging on the four check and losing a lot of those 50 50 pucks you need to win if you're going to win this type of game. And that's just, you know, so the way the Rangers are built, they're not designed for that type of thing. They're one of the worst teams in the league in terms right. of puck retrievals and recoveries, but they were able to win enough tonight. I mean, again, this team defies. All of the logic we know about hockey, if you consistently get outshot, outchance, you usually end up losing. But, but that's the Rangers. The Rangers. That's, that's the Rangers. are so good. They can make. Oh, hold on. He'll be back. Nick, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, no, you just got for a sec. Um, it's fine. It's all good. I, I mean, this is a very relaxed one. But, um, What's it called? I don't know. I just felt like for me personally, it was either they get that power play going, win it, or if not, I feel like they lose it. I don't know. For me personally, oh, it's just hundred percent, hundred percent. That was my. That was actually my first thought um, when Miller brought that puck down and that penalty, uh, you know, occurred. I right away said to myself, "Okay, Rangers, you know, you've set up a million times during these, uh, you know, these power plays throughout the series, even right. This is the time." Conceded. This is the wow. time you either put up or shut up, and you you score this goal. If you don't score this goal, I feel like exactly lose this, this goal has to go in. And I think also Panera knew that, and they set up amazingly the entire time. They kept the puck in the offensive zone most of the off, or you know most of the overtime, especially since they're on that power. You could play. tell though, Penguins. I'm sorry for interrupting you so much. I'm just like very. Oh, this um, believe me, I'm, I'm surprised right you're not now. like you know. I'm su- surprised you're not trampling on me at this point. I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys. Usually, Pitts, the Pittsburgh Penguins are so aggressive on the penalty kill, but in this yeah. overtime, they weren't. They were frightened. Like when Zabat I don't think they, I out. don't think, I don't think they trusted the Rangers. I don't think they trusted them. And and I think that what? I think most people. Oh, you're saying them. they didn't trust them to actually score? Exactly, I, I they didn't that. trust them. And Panarin hasn't that, shot it, the puck the whole night. No, no, but it's also that, Shaggy. It's also that, like. The Rangers are always conservative on their shots on the power play. I mean, you look at Mika Zibanejad, he's finally stopped being conservative, and look what's happening. He's just got three goals in the past two games. I, I mean, the guy's on fire right now, and that's exactly what you need if you're going to face Carolina. 
Uh, Lord knows we need help with that. But oh, yeah. but basically, with Pittsburgh, they're always aggressive on the penalty kill. And for some reason in this one, they were shaky. They they were not themselves. When Mika Zavanaj and Chris Kreider entered the zone from the left side, that does not happen ten, nine out of ten times with the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're in your face. They're they're uh, facing you at the blue line. They're trying to knock it off the knock you out. Oh my god, I can't even I can't even speak anymore. I I am literally I I, I am on a different world right now. Take a couple. You get shots, the point. You get the better. point though. You get the point though. The Pittsburgh Penguins mm-hmm. to kill did not look the same. They were tired. I yeah. mean, honestly, it's overtime of a game seven with the most minutes played of any of the game series so far because of the triple overtime. But in you game think one. it's mentally also? No, it's just raw physical tired. There were a lot of tired legs on both sides tonight. And they're young. And they're young. Yeah. They're not always used to this, you know, type of setting. Yeah. The, See, the Penguins are young. an older that team. Was key. Miller is young. That was key because he was flying. Yeah, well, Miller was also flying. Remember in the first game, and that you know the, the the you know that those overtime games. Miller in this game also, and not only that, Gallant switched up the lines in the third period, which shocked me. You know, he never does that. Yeah. Oh, he never does that. I was he shocked, and it paid off. I literally was thinking about Jacob screaming like, "If this doesn't work out, at least I got to see." I was ready for the fourth line to be out there with three minutes left. That's what I was ready for. I was ready for the fourth (laughs) line to be out there with like seven minutes left or something like that when we need a goal. But no, he switches up the lines. He's like, "Okay, Laugh is having an amazing game. Cop could use a different lineup, and Mika's advantage at is hot. I'm going to put all those together, and look what happened. There's a goal." It just shows you when, like, we've been we've been raving, we've been screaming our heads off about this on the podcast for a couple of weeks now. Gowant has a problem that he sometimes a player's coach ends up biting you back in the butt because sometimes you overdo it and you give you know the players chances that they shouldn't. Uh, I I love that Tyler Mott. I mean, look, the last game, last game, it was a minute left. He put on the top line Tyler Mott. That's that's a brilliant idea that's exactly what you're supposed to do by the way i would argue out of i i know we'll talk about this a different time out of cop vetrano and mott i'd argue that the most important to sign is mott mott was great tonight i honestly think mott was their best regular i think mott was their best player in regular is he yes for fast 2.0 um, different skill, different toolboxes, very different toolboxes. Jesper, not that fast, straight line like Mott is. Mott's better with his stick than Foss, Foss a little more physical. Mott is vicious on those power plays. Oh my, uh, I'm penalty kills, you mean, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Penalty kills, man, I was Mott was great. Yeah, Mott was great tonight. I mean, I was keeping notes. I was writing notes down during the game and I wrote Mott's name down five, six times. Just the most visually... Like, this is purely anecdotal. I didn't look at a ton of the numbers after the game because, you know, just came down here to record this. But Mott was great. Straight line, keeping it simple, keeping the puck moving, not making a mistake. The simple things. That's what you need out of your bottom six guys. Just don't kill you. As long as the bottom six doesn't kill you, you should be all right. Exactly. The problem here was really the top three. Sorry, but uh, sorry, Jacob. But I'm saying the problem in most of the series was not always those bottom lines, was those top lines. You know, and that that definitely. I'm saying they they did under, you know, they did under show for a while. For sure. The top six didn't give you a lot until game six of this series when they absolutely needed it. Right. I mean, the veterans didn't jump, it was all the kids. How about that? How about that? Before the series, we thought the concern were the kids. It ended up being the veterans, and the kids were our yeah. strength. I, 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 Sam Stern uh, on Twitter, he mentioned he's like, all I needed this season 
just to show that our first and second overall pick are 16 game players. That's all I needed. Well, Kako, yeah. Kako is right. that now. He's Kako right. Really, the matter of know. fact is your first and second overall pick are 16 game players. That is that's huge. That is huge. And now I'm yeah. obviously losing my voice, but you know, we'll, we'll deal with that. Well Jacob, well, Jacob, now at this point, you know, we discussed earlier in the year of what is a successful season. You got yourself a successful season. Now, I, it's I, so, so I, I, we're going to discuss this yep. in a different thing. Yeah, Nick, what was that? Yeah, no, they, they did their job. They won one playoff series. They made the playoffs. I think you could say this is a successful season based on the preseason expectations. Oh, yeah. Just flat out. I think you can. I, I, the thing is, is like if Crosby didn't play tonight and it was Louis Domingue and Net, I can argue against that. But they had a full roster, a full healthy roster, and the Rangers beat them. You can you can only play who's on your schedule, though. That's the thing. Like, right? Uh, yeah, sure. Beating a shorthanded team, it, I mean, it doesn't speak as strongly about the Rangers, but you can only play who's on your schedule. Colorado didn't apologize for beating the hell out of Nashville in four games. <laughs> no, they did not. They annihilated them. It was a, it was a murder. Um, okay, hold on. Sorry. There's a giant headache here. This is um, a huge thing on people's head right now. I think a lot of people are just like... I, I just, people, are, I'm just trying to take this all in because, I mean, listen, we haven't had proper playoff hockey since 2017 we have our first round series our intro was a three overtime right that was that we had a good game yes. two. game three and the four were abysmal i think to say the least games five and game six games five the kids line showed up game six the veterans showed up and then game seven every one of them showed up and At some I point. that game seven kind of showed how good the rangers can be now obviously there are clear holes that have to be dealt with. Um, Truba, I didn't think had his greatest game of his life. Uh, there were some points that high. <laughs> was just but terrible. this is, but Jacob, this is really a learning process as well. At the same time, it so is, but them, not for Truba. Like, no, 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 not for no, not Truba. for Truba. I don't mean specifically for Truba. I mean in general for the Rangers. Where oh, hundred percent. You know, this is such a learning process that that allows you to go into let's say a Hurricane series where you know they're even better than the that than the Penguins, and you really understand that what playoff hockey can really feel like. Yes, definitely. And that's, and that's a big thing because playoff hockey means that every mistake you make could define the game. And yeah. in a regular season game, you might be able to cover it up or something, but in a playoff game, everyone will see it and everyone will notice when you go ahead and make an a, a, you know, irrelevant penalty that it does not need to be done. Everyone. No, like Panarin's, like... Panarin's was careless, but like I get how that happens. He no, no, Panarin's was okay, hand. but Truba's like, I, Truba was Truba's. It was dead play, high stick him. What are you doing now? It's a four minute penalty. Truba's trying to do too much. Yeah, he's, he's trying, trying to, to do, do too, too much. much, and that's his biggest detriment. That's his biggest detriment as a player because raw traits wise, Truba has everything you want out of a right handed defenseman. It's just between the ears. He doesn't make the right decision enough of the time. And that's why he's so frustrating because you can see what he could be if he weeded out all of those bad decisions. Yeah. Just you just want a simple enough. right-handed shutdown yeah. defenseman from him. You don't need this fancy uh, stick, stick checking, you know, offensive elite, elite player. You don't need that. You need a right-handed shutdown defenseman behind Fox. And that's exactly what Trupa can be and has shown multiple times, but he just sometimes does a play where we're like, what the hell? Like, what are you doing? Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Him 
and Miller, they had like, I think it was the fifth or sixth most ice time of any defensive pair in the league. And they still make simple mistakes in zone coverage because they don't communicate right. I do not understand. You how think that's more on Truba or on both? It's both of them. It's a communication thing. It's a, okay, I have player X, you have player Y. You call that out as the play develops. That's just the communication thing. Right. No, it seems so weird that, sorry, Sharky, I just want to say one thing that I, I, it's just so weird that, you know, with that amount of time, you would think they'd actually try to figure that out. With Miller, man, I mean, he's clearly a, a 16 game player. He has this, the, after the second half of the season, like the second half, he turned it to another level and it's just continued up and up. That stock rising up and up and up. And I mean, highlight. He drew the penalty that won the overtime, and it and he, was. And he scored the goal. Don't forget that. He right, and he the scored the goal. goal, and he scored. The, I, I told. I, I can't even think anymore. And he scored the goal. I mean, he's he's a stud. Like people are saying, he could be a stud. He is a stud. I mean, look at him. I mean, I think I would definitely like to see him a little better on his physicality. Um, I I think he's. I think he start. I think a couple months ago we slandered him for that, and right. I think he's he's. I mean, everyone slandered him for that. I'm like, it's so frustrating that. This guy could be everything, a speedy shutdown and also offensive player. I know it doesn't make sense, but he's the, he, he's the anomaly. He, he, he's fast and he's big. It doesn't make sense, but you know, he has it. He's got all the tools in the toolbox. He's right. got everything you need to be good at this level at his position. It's just a matter of what the Rangers ask him to do. I mean, the first 50 games of the season, they had him keeping it simple. The bank passes off the glass, get the puck out of danger. Don't do too much. Don't hurt yourself. And then over these last 25, 30 games, it's been more of, okay, there's space in front of you. You can skate into that space. Start reading the play in front of you. They've brought him along very slowly in what they've asked of him. He no. could end up being the probably the. Oh no! Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no! Dude, I was I was just gonna say you're right on exactly. He could be the shocker, and you always need that guy in the playoffs. You know, I think, honestly, I I think I think Miller ends up being the first pair lefty long term, not lingering. I really do think Miller Fox. I think Miller Fox is your first pair for of the long term future for the Rangers. The thing was, is Lindgren kind of showed like he was part of the heart. Like, I don't know when, when they lost Lindgren, man, you, you saw that hole big, like I, I didn't realize how big that hole was. Like I knew it was big, but oh my gosh, you, you didn't just see it, man. It was detrimental. Like they were, they were differently defensively. Listen, Braun is just, Braun is good third pair. You don't need a second pair. No, no way. And look, oh, Nemeth isn't playing, and uh, all of a sudden... Hey, look, hey, Nemeth didn't hey, play. Well, exactly. How about that? Oh, yeah. By the way, you realize that... What a detrimental we played this contract. Whole without, we played this whole series without Goodrill, pretty much. And, you know... Oh, well, Mott was huge coming back. And Mott was, that was huge, huge coming back. And this allows you, when you come into a series against a really good Hurricanes team, to really find yourself, you know? So I want to ask Nick and Shragi here. I'm going to ask Nick first. You're, who are your top three players for the Rangers in this series? That's a good question. Um, in no particular order, I would say Keandre was probably the most consistent defenseman out of the six through seven games. I would say Zabinijay based on six and seven because I'll be, let's be honest, he scored the most important goals at the most important points in each of those games. And then the third one, 
pick anyone from the kid line you want to put in that third spot because all three of them had a really nice series. Didn't didn't do amazing on the stat sheet, but were very good, especially in those first five games when the offense wasn't really going to get going. So I would say Zabinijad, K. Andre, and then your pick of whichever one of the kids you prefer from the kid line. Um, okay, this is this question actually is something that I actually thought about during the actual series of who do I feel is playing the best here? Who do I think is the one that's really the cause for our winning? My number one player is actually Lafarnier. He played amazing. He had like he even in those in the first two games, I think he had like nine hits or something in two games. He was absolutely amazing for this team to help them win. And he was there throughout the entire seven games. I don't think there was a moment in my mind where I was like, he's slacking off. He played hard. He wanted it. He's he's my number one for me. He played so, so hard in all seven games. I, I would give him my number one. Uh, if they say star, but my number one player, uh, number two, I, I got to give it to Zabanjad. Like you mentioned, he was amazing to bring this team back, especially in a game six where they needed that to even get to a chance to win this. And he really collected it, even though in the beginning we didn't see him much. He really, you know, got himself into the series, made himself available to, to be able to make the plays better and to, you know, work on getting that offense moving. He did a fantastic job. I think he gets a lot of credit for when Kreider scores. He's very good at setting him up in general. And I would give him number two. And number three is really, it was hard for me. Because on the one end, I would have given it to uh, Shesterkin for just in general, keeping us in most games. But he did have two terrible, terrible games. And I can't blame that all on him, but he he did a lot of good work. But I really feel like the game after all this, that mattered the most, the game seven, the guy that showed up the most, the guy that I think was the most important to this team in game seven to carry them to the, to even get them to the point of, you know, he might not have scored tonight, but he was so important on the ice. And I got to say, he's got to get it is mom. Tyler Mott really so, uh, so important to that game seven. He won, you know, races to the puck. He was amazing on the penalty kill he kept the you know play going by just simply you know playing really hard. I, I gotta say, in this game seven, where we didn't so-called deserve to win, he gets so much credit for even bringing us to a point where the game was close. So that would be my three: Lafarnier, Zibanejad, Zibanejad, and Ma. Ma was great. Yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, uh, sorry for interrupting people here. I, I've been doing that way too often this episode. I'm just, um, I, I feel like we got to give Gallant credit here. He's very, very stubborn in his ways regarding changing lines, but he did it. He changed the lines. What do you think got him to do that? I, desperation. They needed desperation. a goal. It was three to two with five minutes to go. They needed a goal. When your back is against the wall, you got to start getting creative. Does that yeah. change his views for the next coming games? No, I think he'll go back to the same lines. He did it after they got murdered in game five. They came out in game six with the same lineup and they still, you know, they came out with the exact same lines. I think that's a, just a, in case of emergency, break the glass type deal with juggling the lines for him. I like how you put that. that, so that speaking, was, of, speaking of lineups now, now that our nerves are kind of settling in here, the matchup versus Carolina, I feel like every strength they have is the Rangers weakness. Would you like, I mean, hundred percent. it's just their speed, their shot volume. I, I mean, everything. 
They're I, physical. They bully you in front of the net. X Rangers also chances. to top it off. That too, yeah. I yeah. mean, imagine yes, for Foss getting a goal. I mean, I think that's confirmed. No, that you've got the Tony D'Angelo factor. There's a whole butt bag of worms that gets opened up when you're playing Carolina. So, what do we think? Um, I'm not too confident. I don't mean to be that Debbie Downer. We just won a series, but listen, hey, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just trying to be realistic here. Like, I don't think we win versus Carolina. I think that's. I mean, I'm never going to count them out, but. It just seems to be that Carolina's every strength is the Rangers' weakness. I mean, what would I, you think? I, I pick Carolina to go to the conf- to go to the Cubs final against Calgary. I think Carolina's the best team in the East. Just being honest with you, they've got the requisite playoff experience that you need. The losses over the last couple of years, they've got four good lines. They've got three pairs. They've got a really good coach. If the Rangers are going to steal it, they need. Igor to steal at least two of the four games. Realistically, that's the only formula for the Rangers to do this because there's a there's a talent gap here. Carolina is deeper, they're faster, and Carolina's high-end players, they might not be as talented as the Rangers, like Ajo, Svechnikov, not as good in terms of just raw skill as Panarin or Zabinijad. But those guys impact the game more consistently, whereas you will see Panarin go entire periods where he touches the puck two or three times. Same thing with Zabinijad. So I do agree with you that this is like the worst possible matchup for the Rangers in terms of opponent of everyone that's left. Like, I think they would have had a better chance against either of the teams from Florida than Carolina, just being honest with you. Tampa versus Carolina uh, instead of Carolina. For sure. I'd rather Florida. I'd rather Bos- I'd rather any single, any other team in the East than Carolina. Carolina no, is. I, like, I, I will step in here. I will. You know, you guys, you guys sound like the Rangers have absolutely. Um, I mean, no I, think about it. They've demolished us the whole season. Every the whole season series. I, I definitely no no no. So like this, I definitely agree that the Rangers' chances here are very low. But one thing they have showed us. And, you know, we really figured they'd zoom through this Penguins, you know, get them in six. They were much better. And, you know, the Hurricanes are better in most categories that the Rangers are not good at. On the other hand, they're going to come with a good game plan. They have some very good players, obviously, on on the Rangers. And I feel like when you get to a playoff thing, uh, a playoff series, you can never, never count out a team, especially what I learned from last year with the Canadians, where the most random team could just make a good run and get hot. This goal, this overtime goal, could very well push them to a very, you know, a very big hot streak. And I think it's going to be just very important to be able to keep up with the Hurricanes. They're going to score on you. The question is how the Rangers scoring goes. And I think also the thing, the, the key is, is also, is that, I, I, I yeah, Igor Shostergan, like Nick, you said, Igor Shostergan has got to stand on his head in order for the Rangers to even have an attempt. To and he knows this. that. Yeah, and he and he knows that. Oh, yeah, of course he knows that. He knows that the whole entire season, and he's the Rangers' only hope. But um, Nick, what, what do you think about? I don't know. Just what what are your feelings right now about everything in general regarding the Rangers? I'm content. I came into this season saying I would like to make the playoffs. I would like to win one playoff series. Anything more than that is gravy with the team they have. There, I'm not going to get mad if Carolina boat races them. I would not 
I'd be happy if the Rangers won another round, but I'm not going to get greedy. I understand the Rangers' limitations as a team right now. They got to figure out who they are still. They have another couple of moves they need to make and iron out what their contending team is going to look like for the foreseeable future. There's nothing to be ashamed of. They made the playoffs, which was a goal. They accomplished it. They won a playoff series in some pretty daunting circumstances, being down three games to one against a team that, is pretty damn good. I mean, Pittsburgh has made the playoffs every single year since I think 2006, 2005, something like that. This is a great team with one of the best coaches in the entire league with three future Hall of Famers on it. You came back from 3-1 down against that. That's something to hang your hat on. You want to do better. You're looking down the barrel at Carolina, who is one of the best teams in the league. There's no shame in losing. There's only one cup. It's the hardest trophy to win for a reason. Oh, and I and I absolutely love that. The, the Rangers absolutely have to be so thrilled with where they're up to at this point. The Rangers came into this season with, you know, really, can we make the playoffs? And we discussed throughout the entire season, you know, can they do it? Can they do it? Can they do it? And they did it. They were down 3-1. Everyone, did, everyone said, can they do it? Can they do it? And they did it. They went, you know, they kept catching up. Seven, you know, game seven. They're down. They, they were down two nothing. Games five and game six. They both came back in both. Exactly. They were down. They, they always find a way. Exactly. They're finding a way, and therefore, I'm just saying at this point, where you're coming into the Hurricanes round two, I just say let's get it. Just overachieve. You know, show everyone that you got it. You know that you're right. But it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be like. It's one thing to overachieve. I think what Nick's trying to say is like, while it would be, it would be a cherry on, t- not a cherry on top, but it's like. It's extras. It's the dessert. Exactly. Exactly. You, That's why I call it overachieving because it's about right. my level of expectations. This right. team's not good enough to win a cup right now. I think yeah. we can all acknowledge that. Yeah, it would yeah. take a lot breaking right to go their way for them to do that. So let's just have fun. Does this have a chance of coming back? At this point, I'm just here to have fun. I am not exactly. going to complain. As long as they don't get, if, as long as they don't lose every single game 12 nothing. I'm not going to complain about what happens in the second round. Right. Okay. I think uh, we're going to end it off here uh, because I have to get up early tomorrow. Oh, Nick. yeah. I got to catch my train. So good timing. Oh, wait. Uh, Nick, uh, before you go, you want to punch in your Twitter handle, what you do and all that? Yeah, sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick Zararis. Nick, Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. I tweet about hockey. I write for Gotham Sports Network. I do nerdy analytic things. I'm going to do more video things because apparently people like that. And that got really good reception during the week. So do that. I, I do mean, the that's upper how we bowl, found you. I do the Upper Bowl GM podcast, too, where I talk about every sport under the sun. It's a good time, man. We got hockey. We got basketball. We got baseball. <laughs> this is a good time to be a sports fan. All righty. Take care, Nick. Thanks so much for coming on. And we'll see you guys next time. Let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.